Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MLFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through the 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 plus high level apartment investors and also to network with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Cochran, and Jocko Willink will be live and in-person speaking at this event. Be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event as the tickets are going fast. You can even upgrade your ticket to the VIP to have the opportunity to rub shoulders with these high-level speakers, including myself, after their session. Jocko Willink will also be attending the VIP party on Friday night at the event. So go to mfincon.com to find out more details. There's also sponsorship opportunities available too. For details for this event and to purchase tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use promo code LIFEBRIDGE to get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com. It's not that they were the best mentors in the world. I just knew the right questions to ask. And I was just very clear about what I was asking. And because I was you know, asking good questions, I got great answers. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we continue our conversation with Daniel Kwok and how you know he's going to help us to think through, are you just doing deals or are you starting a business? You heard our conversation yesterday, and man, we're going to continue this. And I, I know you're going to learn a lot from Daniel again today. What were some things, Daniel, that maybe you were having to say no to? You know, like you, you said, you know what, I'm focused on these nine things. I think it's so important. Like, I, I love this train of thought, but I know there's you know, we all get the shiny object syndrome. We've all heard of that, but, but, or, or maybe just, maybe it's emails or maybe it's, you know, friends wanting you to go do something or, or whatever. What were things you were having to say no to though, that maybe you see often guys now or gals, you know, get distracted away from their focus, yeah. nine things or whatever. Yeah. Well, we all, we all know that person, right? We're like, you know, one week they're doing this MLM and then the next week they're doing Forex trading. The next week they're doing real estate, you know, after that they're, you know, they're doing whatever, right? I don't think it's that people have shiny object syndrome. I think it's that people just have a lack of clarity on what they're really wanting from what they're pursuing. I think that's, that's really kind of the thing that they're missing. Because for me, my goal, I was very clear on what I wanted. I was very clear on exactly how, was, how, how I was going to do it, what I wanted, and why I wanted it. You know, so for example, I was targeting you know, seller finance, long-term buy and hold real estate, multifamily. That was my focus, right? And a lot of times, you know, the distraction, so to speak, the things that we say no to are opportunities within the same industry, right? Like, I mean, I had plenty of opportunities during that time that I later, you know, took advantage of. But at that time, when I was focused on this goal, you know, there are a lot of, you know, offers, right? They're like, hey, do you want to get involved with this flip? Do you want to get involved with this wholesale deal? Do you want to get involved with this? Do you want to get involved with that? And not to say that those are bad things, but, you know, there are a lot of things I did say no to that, you know, maybe if I took advantage of them, I would have made $100,000 or $50,000 here and there. But I knew that it would derail. And this is important. I knew that it was going to derail my momentum. And, you know, you're a guy that's done 1300 of these episodes, right? And, you know, you, I'm sure have a very impressive portfolio yourself, but you, you certainly know a lot of people that do. The, oftentimes the most important word in developing traction in real estate is momentum. A lot of people underestimate that, you know? So I knew I didn't want to derail that. And so there was a lot of things I said no to. And most of them, to your point, were opportunities within the same industry. Awesome. 
I like how you you said, you know what? I don't think it's shiny object. I think it's a lack of clarity on what they're pursuing. I think that makes it simple to understand, right, as well. It's like, man, are, are you clear on what you're pursuing, on, you know, where you're trying to go? It's hard to know what map to use if you don't know where you're going, right, or, where, you know, where you're trying to get to. So I love that thought. Uh, you mentioned earlier, too, about a performance coach and things, and it sounded like even when you were early in the process, you had a mentor, you had somebody that you were going to. I just wondered that process that you talked about looking through a dumpster for a meal at one point versus, you know, where you're at now. When in that process did you have that mentor that you could go to like that? Yeah, I had a lot of them at all times. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know? And one of the things I realized is even people in their 50s and 60s, at the end of the day, us human beings are really, really good at two or three things. You know, like, especially in the world of entrepreneurship, like, I've never met a person that's really, really, really good at marketing, tech, accounting, you know, like leadership. Like I've never met that person. They claim to be, but oftentimes it's at the level that is not at the propensity of others. You know, they just done something really cool a couple of times and they think they're good at it. Right. So I'll be very honest and vulnerable. That performance coach was actually a therapist. And the reason being is because well, one of the things I knew very early on it was very damaging to my career was this deep innate to prove myself to other people. And that was a huge handicap and it was a big prison wall for me. And I realized that as long as I had this thing attached to my heart of this desire to prove myself to other people, you know, it was going to hurt my investors. It was going to hurt my business plan. And I, I wasn't going to be able to see it from a non-biased, clear way that I wanted to see it. And especially if I'm the guy that's casting the vision, if I'm the guy that's facilitating and, you know, bringing everybody along, like I, I have to be healthy in all aspects of my career. So, you know, I had guys who, you know, were really, really good at finding deals, right? These are, these are wholesalers who've done thousands of wholesale transactions that I would go to. It says, Hey, you know, Bryce or Hey John or Hey Mitch, like here are my top three to five ways of, of me finding deals right now. And here's what I'm going after. I'm going after these, you know, seller finance, multifamily, right? Like all these little intricacies of my deal. What would you change? Which by the way, a lot of people don't get the juice that they can out of the squeeze, so to speak. Because a lot of times when they ask guys like me or you for help, the details and the clarity isn't there. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is when people come to me, ask me like, Daniel, how do I raise capital? And I'm like, oh. like, well, first and foremost, what are you raising capital for? Who are you trying to attract? Do you want to attract people that want depreciation or cash flow? Like, how are you structuring your partnerships? Is it debt? Is it equity? Is it mess? Like, how are you doing that? You know, so I think a lot of people just lack the clarity as, as, as going back. But for me, just, you know, with the mentors and the coaches, it's not that they were the best mentors in the world. Like, I just knew the right questions to ask. And I was just very clear about what I was asking. Because I was, you know, asking good questions, I got great answers. And so I, I had a guy, you know, I would go to for deal finding. I had a guy I would go to for underwriting. I had a, I have a mentor now for leadership, right? So then now that my staff and my organization is growing, my mentor is actually uh, shout out to Joe, right? Joe Rankin, CEO of Putchak, former CEO of Top Golf, right? He's the guy that actually scaled the company Top Golf from I think it was like thirty million when he was CEO, and he, when he, when by the time he left, it was like two billion in valuation. So great CEO, in my opinion, one of the best CEOs in the world. You know, he's he him and I sit down almost every month and we just talk about leadership tactics and we talk about certain scenarios. And so again, I'm I'm just very intentional and clear about how to approach certain people that I look up to. And I, I think people would be surprised at the ahas that they get by doing that. 
What would you have done differently, you know, starting knowing what you know now? That's a great, that's a great question. What would I have done differently? I think I was too cautious. So I have the, I'm the type of guy that tends to overthink things more than kind of just recklessly going to do something. And I sometimes think that recklessness is healthy, right? I always tell people, I'm, every entrepreneur needs that issue at the moment, right? They're like, like, holy cow, what did I get myself into? Like, we all kind of need that, right? It's not only like kind of a kick in the butt, but it's also kind of a humbling experience that we don't know it all, that we're human, right? And that's awesome. So if I were to tell myself maybe like 10 years ago, nine years ago, when I started like something, I would say probably don't be afraid to make a mistake because I was so afraid to make a mistake, you know, but I had one guy tell me like, there's no such thing as an undefeated entrepreneur, right? Like there's no Floyd Mayweather of business. Like you have to take losses. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the rite of passage. Fear cripples us, doesn't it? And you got to be able to push through that. No doubt about it. Daniel, I know you are someone who, and unfortunately we didn't get enough time to like just dive into this and maybe we can again in the near future. But I'd love to ask you as well, you know, things that maybe you predict in the, in the market, you know, the real estate market over the next six to 12 months, how you're looking at that, maybe some things that, that you're gleaning information from that's helping you to think clearly about what to expect. Yeah. So I'll share a little bit about what I'm, what I'm currently doing. So I'll make this practical for you. So I'll, I'll start with what I'm doing personally and then I'll work my way back to why. Because what do I see in the market that's leading me to that decision? So uh, currently for myself and all my passive investors, I am extremely selective about the deals I'm doing. So I think last year I looked at 1600 deals, only made offers on five of them. And you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. So even the deals I'm doing today, right? I'm only doing deals in which the rents have not increased significantly. Like I'm talking a, a plus 5% increase over the last two, three years. I'm still targeting landlords that are 65 and older. And I'm only structuring the deals, seller financing, fixed rate, long-term secured finance. So I'm not doing any balloons, right? I'm not, I'm staying very far away if I can, at least from institutional money, financing the debt reason being is you can't find a commercial bank right now that isn't doing a balloon that's at least five years or sooner, even if it's 25 year amortization. And I think for a lot of them, I mean, they're smart, right? Like they know that we're in a low rate environment and they want individuals and investors to refinance three to five years later so they could, you know, or they're doing a swap rate program, right? But I mean, a lot of syndicate holders, right? A lot of GPs, a lot of sponsors. I mean, there's a lot of refinancing going on, a lot of stripping equity and liquidating. There's a lot of that going on. And that makes me very nervous, very, very nervous. I was reading over some loan documents just for, not for fun, but just, just to, just to gauge. It sounds what, like fun. I tell you what. Yeah. Right. So I was, I was reading loan documents of big time commercial loans of deals that are being done across the board, right. Through different banks. I just want to see what banks are offering. I want to see what their programs and what their protocols are like right now. And I read one that really startled me. And it says that if the debt service coverage ratio is above one point. 2% and the GP cannot get that down within a span of 30 days, the interest rate gets jacked up from four and a half to 16.25. And there's also a fee of like $50,000 that they have to pay every like 15 days that that, that service coverage issue isn't you know taken care of. So it scares me because we're in an environment where you know rates are going to increase, but I don't think the rent growth is going to be as big as what people think it is. And that's part of the reason as to why what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm staying away from properties that have seen a massive surge in their net operating income the last two years. Because in my opinion, it's not fair. You can't judge a property's ability on you know, ability to cash flow based on the fact that 40% of your renter pool has been priced out of the housing market. 
it's not fair. We've never had this much of high quality tenants in the multifamily market ever before. And to kind of go back and talk about what's happening now, if people don't realize there's currently 1.6 million housing units in development, 800,000 of those being multifamily. We haven't broken that record since 1981, which I think that number was 456,000 units under construction. So you're, I mean, we blew blew the record off. And we haven't seen that since 2007, right before 08 happened, right? I and mean, you're talking about numbers. I'll use Dr. Strange's quote in the Avengers, right? Hitherto I'm dreamt of, right? Like these are numbers we've never seen before. I mean, even where I live, rents have gone up 25%, 30%, some, in some places, 50%, you know? And I just don't think that's sustainable. You know, I mean, the amount of shadow inventory that we have in the housing market, it's going to elevate inventory and housing. And people ask, well, what does the housing market have to do with the renter pool? Well, imagine if like 30% of all your class A tenants just picked up and left, right? And they started buying homes. Well, it does a lot of different things to the multifamily housing market. Then your B-class tenants become A-class and your C-class tenants become B-class. It just trickles up, right? So... I think between a lot of things that's happening right now, shadow inventory in the housing market, record amounts of construction and multifamily housing construction, you know, construction. Between that, I think rates rising, making it more difficult for you know for people to enter homes. I think inflation and stagflation skyrocketing as wages and increase subdue. I think between a lot of those things, I think rents, in my opinion, in 2023, I actually think we're gonna see a drop. I don't think we're going to see an increase. I think we're actually going to see a drop, which is why I'm only going after deals that haven't seen a huge increase in rent over the last two, three years. Because I mean, it's just, it's not feasible. It's not sustainable. So many things we could talk about there. I appreciate you bringing that out though. I just think it's a a neat tactic and a a wise tactic as well. So tell me a few few final questions, Daniel, quickly. What are the most important metrics that you track? And that could be professional or, or personal, whatever most important to you. Yeah. One of the most professional or yeah, professional metrics that I track personally is how efficiently are my team members developing? So I have this mantra. So like, so people ask like, what makes a good leader? So for me, the definition of a great leader is an individual who knows how to put the people that he or she leads in the best position to succeed and help them become the best versions of themselves. If I can do that, I know my organization is going to take off, you know? So how do you measure that? Yeah. So we do quarterly performance reviews and feedback loops and whatnot. And, you know, we, we, okay. So like last quarter, you had the capabilities of doing this and doing that. And but you did this and that many times. So we're trying to get away from this, but I don't like the idea of paying people per hour because you're literally not incentivizing them to do something at a much more efficient rate because you're paying them less to do it much faster. So, you know, even with people who like, Hey, can I work from home? Like, you know, three hours today. Yeah, no problem. Right. So it's, it's not only like how better are they at their job than a year ago, you know, because of your leadership, but you know, as even just as human beings, you know, are they happier? Do they feel more relaxed? Are they less stressed? Are they more creative? You know, are they improving as an individual? You know, uh, so these are things that for me, I track for myself. Obviously I, I love fitness and health, right? So I love working out. I'm a very active guy. I mean, my body's still sore from playing like four hours of football like the day before. But, you know, these are, these are for me, right? There's the stuff like, you know, my body fat percent, right? Just the most funnel things with my health and fitness, these are things that I track because I think people are surprised at how much better you perform professionally when, you know, your health and your fitness and all these things are in line, you know? And obviously stuff like, you know, or my wife and I, do we have at least two or three date nights a week? You know, uh, am I spending too much time at the office? Am I having you know, good quality time with my spouse? And surprisingly, a lot of things that I personally track are not 
professionally oriented because in my professional career, I have standards and expectations, you know, more so than, you know, metrics that I want to hit goals that I want to, you know, achieve. So no, that's a great question. Congratulations to you on two to three date nights a week. I would say most people are doing good to get that a month. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, what really scared me is when I, when I used to travel a lot, like pre pandemic, you know, now it's starting to come back, but you know, I was on three, four flights a week and the amount of 40, 50, 60 year olds that were on their third and fourth marriages. Yeah. All they focused on was money, like making money. I was just like, this is just like, not worth it. Not worth it, man. Yeah. No, I appreciate that perspective. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? <laughs> nice. If you want the real answer, I could give you the typical, Hey, I'm on a podcast. So let me like, let me make myself look good answer. But my real answer is my relationship with God. There's no question about that. So I go on in a 15 minute walk every morning with God and, and him and I just, we just hang out. There's no like thy Lord to this day, you know, giveth thy. like, there's none of that. There's no like official prayer that I say. There's no, like sacrifice or sacred thing ritual. Like I just, I just hang out with my dad. You know, that's the way I look at it. I just hang out with my heavenly father who loves me very much, who not only loves me, but is for me, loves my wife more than I love her, loves my future kids more than I love them, loves my employees more than I do. And yeah, man, I just, number one key thing to my success is, you know, did I do what he asked me to do today? Love that. Appreciate your transparency and yeah, just being real about that. I would agree completely. And what about how do you like to give back? Yeah. So I'll share this quick story. So this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So if you don't mind, I'm going to go to scripture if that's okay with you. Please. So in John chapter five, there's this story. It's called the pool of Bethesda. And it's this story of Jesus is walking, you know, and he goes to this pool and he sees this one guy. And he goes over and heals him. And one of the things I did not realize until about three years ago is that Jesus most likely walked over hundreds of other sick people just to heal one person. And entrepreneurs, Christians, church people of today, we want to be able to heal all of them. That's our goal, right? We celebrate healing every single person. Like we will not stop until every child that is trafficked is rescued, right? Like, And the reality is for Jesus, which that's the guy I try to model my life after, the reality for him was he had no interest in healing all, let's say, 300 people. He was only interested in doing what God asked him to do, which was heal one sick person. And for me, that's how I give back is I don't focus on giving the biggest check or the most checks or, you know, one of those guys that just like, well, I drive a Toyota and I just give all my money away, right? Like... I'm not one of those guys. I'm also not one of those individuals where it's like, well, let's hold this like a hundred thousand dollar gala and we we could raise, you know, 500, right? That for me, like, I just, I just give according to what God instructs me. So if, you know, what we call the Holy Spirit, right? Which is God's presence in our day-to-day life. If the Holy Spirit prompts me to give $5,000 to that family, like I'll do it. And there are days where like, you know, for two or three weeks, right? He's like, Hey, just, just don't focus on giving, just focus on me and focus on growing this business. And then there'll be a time where in between it's like, Hey, just, can you write a $30,000 check to that organization? And I go, okay. Right. The, so the amount of freedom there is in that is phenomenal. Right. Cause I mean, guys like me and you, again, I hate to say it, but the amount of requests that we get to donate to certain things and you know, it's a lot. Right. So God one day was just like, Hey buddy, just, just do what I asked you to do. That's it. Yeah. Love that story. And there's a good, or I don't know if you've watched the chosen. I love the chosen. Yeah. yeah, I do too. Shout, I do shout too. Out to my friend Daryl Eves, you know, he's, he's the CEO of the Chosen, and like he's crushing it. Yeah, I love it. I love it's it. incredible. And there, there's a great scene that the scripture you're talking yeah. about, exactly. So I uh, appreciate that, Daniel. I'm grateful to meet you and have you on the show. 
I love just the thought process that you helped us to see about, you know, think differently about setting goals, right? Set standards, expectations. I think that is, that's very wise. I think it's thinking long-term. It's getting in habits, routines for yourself that set you up for long-term success versus just this, this one thing, you know, that, that you're setting your sights on, helping you think much, much or more differently about how you're getting there, right? And so grateful to have met you and just you explaining that. I appreciate your faith and being so transparent. Tell the listeners, though, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. We give a lot of free stuff away. So we all like free stuff. So uh, if you go to theclockbrothers.com and there's a tab where it says free stuff. I mean, we have a free real estate course in there. You know, we give away owner financing course. We give away, you know, a mini course on how to raise capital. So, I mean, a lot of these things I talked about here. I mean, if you want a more detailed, more how-to version of that, I mean, feel free to just go there. And then all we ask is for your email address so we can add you to our database. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, there's a bunch of free stuff in there. My book is for free, which outlines, you know, my journey on how I went from zero to really 87 doors in one year and the setup to that. So all of it's there. I just want to give stuff away. And so the clockbrothers.com, just look under free stuff and all that's there. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 